This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3681, for Monday, the 12th of September, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Rust 101, episode 3, Functionally Insane. It is part of the series Programming 101. It is the 10th show of Black Colonel, and is about 41 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is... In this episode, Blackernal teaches you how to make functions and for loops in Rust. Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Blackernal and welcome to episode 3 of Rust 101. Now, you might have thought the last episode might have been my final episode because it's been so long since I've recorded anything. Uh, But I've been moving... And I've been changing jobs, and I've been doing a lot of other stuff with life, and I'm kind of now in a somewhat stable situation. So I decided to uh, record another episode, and I got an interesting new audio setup, and I might go into that in a different episode. But for now, we're making Rust programs, we're doing the Rust thing, we're programming, and we're doing all that. Uh, I noticed that there was a couple of things that I kind of did poorly in the last episode. Uh, Not really in the explanations, but more in like what best practices were and stuff like that. Um, As well as some things that I kind of just wanted to build upon. So in this episode, we're going to clean up our program to make it a little bit more in line with some best practices. Uh, We're going to create a function to take care of our um, actual dice rolling. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to try to get into a little bit of error handling and stuff like that. That might poke a little bit into where I'm hoping to go with this. Because I do have a long-term plan for this series, but we'll see if we actually get there. Now, starting out with where we ended last time with our program, what we're going to do is first, uh, I'm going to clean up a few of these things. So we made all of our variables here, U32s, unsigned 32-bit integers, which is basically fine, and it, it works for our purposes. But there is a best practice in Rust, which is a thing where if you're doing unsigned integers, you can do usize, that's uniform Sierra India Zulu echo, usize. Uh, and if you're doing signed integers, you can do isize. And what this does is it gets the, the default bit size of your integer for your architecture. So if you're using a 32-bit system, it'll be a URI 32, and if you're using a 64-bit system, it'll be a URI 64. Um, This is just kind of a best practice type of thing because it gives you the most bang for your buck and it allows you to kind of have a little bit of a different... um, Basically, you don't have to worry about a lot of like Y2K-type bugs as you upgrade systems because it'll automatically upgrade the bit size. Anyway... Um, so we're going to start out by upgrading all of our U32s to U-size. So that's the sum is U-size, the dice is U-size, 
our parse is going to parse to use size. Our sides is going to parse is going to be use size and going to parse to use size. Our cur die is going to be use size, and that's all of our things. So that's kind of what I should have done last time, but if I'm quite honest, I forgot use size existed. So that's on me. The next thing that we're going to do is actually we're going to change all of these to I sizes because I want us to be able to handle negative values. Now you might say, why do you want to handle negative values now when you didn't want to before? Uh, because now that we're kind of getting into the dice rolling thing, I, uh, I think it's a good idea to be able to, in the future, we're going to be able to roll negative or add negative amounts of die rolls or be able to negatively add bonuses and I want it all to kind of be consistent so I'm going to do that I'm going to make everything into an I size so for right now it's not really going to matter because everything's sort of just adding up but that's how I'm going to start next thing that we want to do which might have been a good thing to do start but we're going to be thinking about how we're going to actually pop our function out of this now what we could do is just use the same loop structure that we have before and just preserve it in a function. But I'm actually going to use a couple of new Rust techniques. I'm going to introduce a for loop. I'm going to introduce an underscore variable. I'm going to introduce the match statement. And I think that's it for right now. So right above our fn main uh, statement, we can do it below, but uh, let's do it below. So at the end of your file, at the end of your file, I give you give yourself a couple of lines, and let's type in fn foxtrot november space r o l l Romeo Oscar Lima Lima, and then an open parentheses. And this is our function declaration. We're defining a function called roll. Now we need to give it some arguments. The way that arguments work in Rust is that you put in the argument name, that'll be the variable name that you use in the function, a colon, and then a type declaration for what that uh, argument will be as the type. So we're gonna have two arguments in this, in this uh, function. We're gonna have num dice, colon, space, i size, comma, space, num sides colon space i size close parentheses so um as i mentioned last time uh variable names which these arguments are variables are generally done in snake case so that's num november uniform mike underscore dice delta india charlie echo and num sides, November uniform Mike, underscore sides, Sierra India, Delta Echo Sierra. Uh, and then after our close parentheses, we're going to do a space. And now we're going to need to give a return type because we want this to return what was our sum variable before. So we're going to do a minus sign and a greater than sign. So you get this little arrow looking thing with the dash and then triangle bracket. Looks like a right arrow. 
kinda. And then we're gonna do another space, and we're gonna do eye size, so India, Sierra, India, Zulu, Echo. And that's gonna be the return type. So it's saying you take this function called roll, it's got two arguments, num dice, which is an eye size, and num sides, which is an eye size, and it's gonna return something of the type I size. So then we're gonna do a space and an open curly break it and then a new line. That's how I like to do it anyway. Um, then I'm gonna do a tab. And so now we're inside of our function. And we're basically gonna re-implement the things that we did before. So the thing that we need to do first is we need to define our random non random number generator. So we're going to do let space mut for mutable space rng space equals space thread underscore rng open parentheses close parentheses semicolon. So this is the same line that we have at the top of our main function. Well, it's the second line of our main function, but you, you know, you know what I mean? Um, it's close to the top of our main function. Uh, and this is going to set up our random number generator, kind of give, give, give default entropy and all that, all that jazz. Then we're going to go to a new line, and we're going to get our uh, sum variable in here. We're going to do let mut space sum colon space i size um, equals zero semicolon. And that's going to define our sum variable. I just realized I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that the type. I'm not going to say that totally out loud. I'm just going to leave that as a thought for now. I'll look it up later. We've already gone this far. Not important. So now we're in our role function. I'm going to give ourselves another new line, and so we have our sum. So we have our number of dice, and we have a number of sides, and so now we need to roll these dice. And there's many different ways that we can do this. However, I'm gonna use a statement called a match statement because I think it's cool. It reminds me a lot of the case statement in Bash, which is nice. Uh, and it's just a good thing to learn because you use it a lot in Rust. So I'm going to do match, M-A-T-C-H, space, and then num underscore dice. That's the variable you have to for, and then a space. And then an open bracket, open curly brace, and can give ourselves some new lines. So what this statement does is it takes the variable that you give to the match statement, and it tries to match it to various cases. So the first case we want it to look at is when the number of dice is positive, is greater than zero. So in on the next line, we're going to do num dice space if space num dice is greater than zero. And that basically says, so this will match num dice if num dice is greater than zero. So then we're going to do a space. Then we're going to do an equal sign and a greater than sign to give us another kind of like arrow looking thing. 
It's slightly different than the type declaration for return values. It can be confusing, but it ju it's just something you have to get used to. So we're going to do a space. And this is where we're going to give what happens at this point. And it can be a single function. It can be a assignment for a variable, which we are going to do in a, in a second. Um, or it can be an entire blo block of code. And that's what we're going to do now. So we're going to do an open uh, curly brace and a new line. Um, and now we're going to do inside this code block, which is uh, just this function that's only going to run when num dice is greater than zero. I could have done this in an if else if statement, but I didn't want to because that's boring. Uh, it's functionally equivalent. It's actually exactly the same, really. Uh, but I think this looks better and feel free to fight me in the comments. So what we're gonna do is inside of this code block is going to be our for loop where we've um, looped through the number of dice. And this is going to introduce an uh, interesting thing in Rust, which is you can, normally the compiler will yell at you if you don't use a variable because it's like, hey, you have all this memory. It's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. You should probably do something with it. Uh, but if you are just making a variable for an iterator or something like that, that you don't really use, then it's kind of stupid for it to yell at you for that. So what you can do is when you're writing your code, if you put an underscore at the beginning of the variable name, then Rust will know, oh, that's just some random thing that's not actually going to be used. I'll just leave it alone and I'm not going to worry about that. So in this, what we're going to do is uh, a for loop. And the way that the for loop is structured, and then I'll get into how it works, is the word for, F-O-R, Foxtrot, Oscar, Romeo, space, and then we're going to give it a iterator variable, which in this case is going to be underscore Delta India Echo, and then a space, and then the word in, India November, and then a space, and then we're going to do the number one, and then two periods, then the equal sign, and then um, num dice, our variable. And so this might look very familiar to you when we did the gen range thing and all that. Uh, but what this is basically saying is for whatever our iterator is, in the range from one to the number of dice inclusive. So if we had a non-useless uh, iterator variable, we could use it in the for loop. Technically, we could still do that, but it wouldn't be recommended um, in the for loop. So at the first iteration, die would be equal to one, then it would be equal to two, then it would be equal to three, all the way up to and including the number of dice. So in this case, because we put that equal sign in there, it's going to include the endpoint. And that's what we want. So then we're going to do a space, and then we're going to do an open curly brace, and then new line, 
And then inside this for loop, what we're going to do is we're going to have, we're not going to worry about a current die or any of that stuff. We're just going to directly add to our sum variable. So we're going to do sum, and I'll show you how we're going to do that because it's kind of cool. So we're going to do sum space plus equals, which is a thing that's in, I believe it's C++. I know it's in Python, but it's a way of assigning a variable while adding to it. So like if you did sum plus equals one, it would redefine sum as the value of sum plus one. Or in the last episode, if we did sum plus equals cur die, then that would do the same thing as our sum equals sum plus cur die. But we don't have a cur die. So you might be asking, how the hell are we going to get our randomness in here? We don't have a current die. And the answer is another match statement. <laughs> because we can put a match statement here in the assignment, which is really cool to me. So after that equal sign, the plus equals, we're going to do a space and then match and then another space and then num underscore sides and then a space, and then an open curly brace, and then some new lines. And then we're gonna get inside this code block, and our first um, case is gonna be num sides if num sides is greater than zero. And we're going to do the equal sign, uh, greater than sign, and then a space, and then RNG period, GEN underscore range, gen range, and then open parentheses, one double dot equals num sides. And then a comma at the end of all of that because there's a comma separating each one of these match statements, which we'll come back to when we break out of all of this nonsense. So this is going to look quite complicated, but just follow around. I'll, I'll, I'll try to walk you through it, and I'll re-walk you through it at the end, hopefully, if I don't forget. Okay, then we're going to go to the next line. Notice we didn't need to use curly braces or anything around the RNG gen range, because it's just that one function declaration. Uh, so on the next line, we're gonna do num sides if num sides is less than zero. And then we're gonna do our equals greater than, and then a space, and then rng.genrange. And so this is something that we're gonna use later in the for loop uh, when we do the negative num dice as well. But in this case, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, our first part of our range is gonna be our num sides because it's negative in this case. And then we're gonna do the double dot and then an equal sign and then negative one. So this is going to take us from our negative num sides all the way up to negative one. And that'll be our random number range which means that if we have a negative number of sides, then we'll end up with a negative number 
a negative sign in front of whatever the die roll is. So if we rolled one minus or uh, a one d minus six, then that'll give us a number from minus one to minus six, which can be useful. I mean, it, it it's not always useful, but there are certain circumstances where it'll be useful to do this. And so I want to be able to make those circumstances possible. So then we're going to go to the next line after the comma, after the close parentheses, if I didn't say that. Uh, and then we're going to have numsides space if numsides is double equal sign space zero. So if that's precisely equal to zero, this is the same thing that we used in the if statement uh, last time to test if the loop num was equal to the dice. Uh, then we're going to do space equal sign greater than sign for that arrow, and then space. And then this is an interesting thing that you can do in, um, in Rust. If you want to make absolutely sure that your compiler knows what type you're giving to just some random number. You can actually just put it after the number. So if we do zero I size, so that's zero, no space, no space between this. Zero, India, Sierra, India, Zulu, Echo. All as one, like, word type of thing. Then if you use a syntax highlighter, it'll highlight it because that is a zero of type I size. And it's a specifically of that type. So there's no ambiguity there. And then we're going to do a comma after that. So you might say, okay, that's, that's it. That's all we need for this match statement. We're all done. We can close parentheses it or close curly bracket it and just be done. But Rust's compiler will yell at you because you need one more thing in all match statements, and that's anything else. Now, I hear you crying. In mathematics, the, 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 the well-ordering axiom states that a number can only be greater than, equal to, or, or less than any other number. Those are the only three possibilities. But Rust does not know the Zermelo-Frankel theory axioms so you know we kind of have to just humor it here so the way we do that is we do an underscore and that just means if anything else happens and for right now if anything else happens if it manages to break math then we're going to do a space we're going to do an equal sign greater than sign and another space and we're just going to return a zero of type by size because like, that's not going to happen, and we're not going to worry about it. And then we're going to do a comma, and a new line, and then we're going to closing curly bracket the numsides match statement, and we're going to put a semicolon after it. That's important. Because this is in an assignment, we need that semicolon. Because it's not a, a full code block, it's a code block inside of another statement. All right. So then on the next line, we're going to do a uh, curly, a closing curly bracket for our for loop. And then on the next line, we're going to do a closing curly bracket for our if the number of 
or if num dice is greater than zero statement. And then we're going to do a comma because now we're going on to the next part of the num dice match statement. And then we're going to go on to a new line. And this is where we're going to say for num dice if num dice is less than zero. So now if we have a negative value for the number of dice, then we're going to do our equals greater than sign and then an open curly bracket and then a new line. And then uh, if I was using strict best practices here, or rather if I was using best practices from 1965, which is what my dad taught me, uh, a rule of thumb that he gave me is that if you ever write code twice it should be a function and if your code goes over a page it should be a new file i it's kind of a good rule of thumb i wouldn't take it too seriously but it's like a good thing to keep in mind and if i were doing that maybe i would want this to be uh, a function However, there actually are some differences, so that would actually be more complicated, so I'm just going to write it again. So now I'm going to do another for loop. So for underscore die in, and now we're going to do num dice double dot minus one, or equals minus one, because now we're in the negative dice dimension. Then we're going to do a space and an open curly breaks, and then... On a new line, we're going to do sum, and now instead of plus equals, we're going to do minus equals, and then a space, and then our match statement, and then num sides, and then an open curly brace, and now we're just going to copy basically everything that happened before. So on the next line, we're going to have num sides if num sides greater than zero. And then our equals greater than rng dot gen range one double dot or open parentheses one double dot equals num sides close parentheses comma and then the next line num sides if num sides less than zero equals greater than sign rng dot gen range parentheses num sides double dot negative or equals negative one close parentheses comma new line num sides if num sides is equal to zero double equal space equals greater than zero i size comma and then our underscore statement of anything else if it breaks math just return to zero if i size Probably should you do something more dramatic, but, you know, it doesn't have to. So then, next line, closing curly brace semicolon for that sum minus equal statement. And then on the next line, a closing curly bracket for our for statement. Um... So now that we finished off our two statements for if it's less than or equal to zero, the number of dice. Now we're going to go down to the next line, close the less than zero 
num die statement with the curly brace. Then we're going to give it a comma. We're going to go to the next line. And now it's going to be our num dice if num dice is double equal to zero. And space, then our equals greater than sign. And we don't actually need a block for this one because we're if it's equal to zero, we're just going to return a zero I size because if there's no number of dice, then then there's nothing to do with the sum. We, I, I could have it just return some. Yeah, no, let's let's stay consistent and have it return some here. Then we'll do a comma after return some. Then the next line, everyone should know it by now. We're going to need to have our everything else underscore statement because math doesn't exist in this universe, I guess. Then a space and then an equals greater than sign. And then another space, and we're just going to return some if we break math. And then a comma. And then on the next line, we're going to close our match statement with a curly brace. And then go to, go to next couple lines, and then we're going to return some at the end. All right. And then a semicolon. So this, after we go to the next line and close curly brace the function, um... This is our function in its entirety. Uh, so basically, if I run through the way that this function operates, you're going to put into it a number of dice in some integer, 32-bit or 64-bit, probably 64-bit, but some integer and some number of sides. The first thing on the first line that this program is going to do is it initialize the random number generator with some entropy stuff. Next thing it's going to do is it's going to allocate that sum variable of type i size and it's going to initialize it to zero. So we have that variable ready to go, ready to use, and it's mutable, which is important. So next what we're going to do is we're going to take that num dice argument that we were given and we're going to look at what it is. It's going to check if it's greater than zero. It's going to check if it's less than zero. It's going to stack check if it's equal to zero. And if it's none of those things, it's just going to return sum, which at this point is zero. Um, so if it's greater than zero, though, it's going to go into that for loop. It's going to go into a for loop um, for each time, for like from each number from one to the number of dice we gave it, it's going to add a random number based on the number of sides we gave it. In this case, it's going to add, if that number of sides we gave it is positive, it's going to add that positive random number from one to that number of sides. If it's number of sides we gave it is negative, it's going to add from the number of sides we gave it to negative one. And if it, we gave it a zero number of sides, it's going to add zero to that sum. And then if, if the number of sides we gave it is some kind of eldritch abomination of mathematics, it's going to ignore that eldritch abomination. It's not going to call to get a Fiedel's medal or anything. It's just going to, it's just going to calmly return zero. That's what it's going to do. Uh, and the next thing, after it iterates through all of that, however many times, it's going to pop out of the match statement and return that sum with all of that 
juicy total of dice given to it. Then what or um but if instead the number of dice we gave it were a negative, uh it's gonna iterate through for uh for the uh, those dies from the number of dice we gave it to negative one. So that same magnitude of range. And then it's gonna subtract from our sum uh a random number depending on the number of sides we gave it. If we gave it a um a positive number of sides, it's going to subtract a positive uh, random number from one to the number of sides. If we give it a negative number of sides, it's going to subtract a negative number from the number of sides we gave it to negative one. And an important note here is that if both of them are negative, it's going to actually end up with a positive result because it's going to subtract a negative, which is going to be a positive. It's going to add instead of subtracting, which is kind of cool and might be useful. Probably not. Probably really not. But, you know, it won't break anything. And it's an interesting sort of mathematical Easter egg, if you will. Uh, if the number of sides we give it a zero, it's just going to add nothing to the, we'll subtract nothing technically, um, or add negative zero, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, and if it if it breaks math, it won't call the ghost of Paul Erdos. It's just going to calmly return zero. Um, and then after it reiterates through that loop, it'll return the sum because it'll break out of that match statement. Uh, if instead the number of dice we give it is zero, if we tell it to give us like zero d6, it's just going to return the sum, which at this point is zero. Uh, and if it breaks math in some other way, if the number of dice is that eldritch numerical abomination, then it's going to just calmly return sum, which at this point is zero. And that's our whole function. That's what our function does. So now if we go up into our main program, or our main function here, we can remove this uh, RNG declaration, this RNG uh, mutable RNG uh, variable declaration, and we can remove this mutable sum declaration. Um, we will keep the dice and the sides declaration as well as the args declaration, because those will be important. Uh, we're gonna remove all of this loop the loop num, the print for the dice, and the new line print, the backslash n. We're going to remove all of those lines, so the next line we're going to have is just that total line. And instead of having the total line return the variable sum, since, as you can probably see, sum does not exist in this scope, we're going to remove that the sum out of that, and instead we're going to have it return Roll Romeo Oscar Lima Lima, open parentheses, and then dice, comma, space, sides. So that's the two variables that are holding our uh, arguments from the command line. So dice and sides. I accidentally put just singular side, and then a close parentheses for uh, that roll declaration. And so what that'll be is that that'll 
take the two arguments we gave it, put it through our function, and then pop it back on that total part. So if I save this file, and then I go into our Rust 101 uh, directory, the the um, project folder, so that's the place that contains our source folder, our cargo.toml and everything else. And I run cargo space run space double hyphen space one space six. So if you remember from the last episode, it's going to um, compile our program. Uh, it's going to run our program. And then that double hyphen is bash interpretation for that's all we're doing with this function. And then we're going to just add in these extra uh, arguments to the next thing. So this is going to give the one and the six as arguments to our our program that we're writing. So this should roll one d6, one six-sided die. And if I hit enter, it's going to fetch down the crates because this is a new computer that I haven't done this before on. It's fetching the random number crate from the interwebs and it is still fetching because I am I did all of this on my laptop which means it isn't pre-downloaded which means it takes a while because compiling takes a while and downloading also takes a while so I'm just filling dead air now until this thing finishes. It'll go faster every other time because it'll already be on my computer. And there it goes. So it's now downloaded all of the random dependencies as well as the random thing. Now it's compiling all of it. And will you look at that? I don't know how to spell. I got an error. Cannot find value for num sizes in this scope. At sizes Sierra India Sierra Echo Sierra because I don't know how to spell sides apparently Sierra India Delta Echo Sierra so that's just me being you know a spelling monstrosity so if I clear that and I run the same thing again cargo run double hyphen space one space six then I get a one as the output. Wow, would you look at that, a one. I, we can totally tell that this is working. So I'm gonna do the same thing, cargo space run, space double hyphen, space one, and this time I'm gonna do space 100. And we get a 67 at the end, total colon 67. I'm gonna run it again, we get an 89. I'm gonna run it again, we get a 69, nice. Uh, now I'm going to do um, 1D2 to make sure that we get both the upper and lower bound. Got a 2, got a 2, got a 1, got a 2. Now I'm going to give it a 0 as one of the options. I'm going to do 1 and a 0. I'm going to give it a 0. I'm going to do a 0 and a 1, and I get a 0. I'm going to do a negative 1 and a 2. And I get a negative one. And if I do it again, I get a negative two. I'm going to do a negative one space negative two. And I get a positive two as the answer. So it all looks like it's running 
smoothly. It's running very well. So, there's a couple of things that I want to do more in this video, but I can feel my voice starting to go. I have not been drinking enough water, and I don't have very much water in front of me. So I'm going to call this episode here, and I'm going to continue next time with some, some more fine-tuning of this function. I want it to return a vector of die rolls rather than the total, so that way we can do the total separately and maintain all of our die rolls in case we want to do something with that. I want to go into more of error handling because I haven't touched on that very much yet. But for now, I think that this is enough new information and interesting information to sort of satiate the the rustness for now. Because I think that Rust is super interesting and super cool programming language. And I think that the match statement, the way it handles ranges, uh, being able to embed a match statement in a function declaration or a function assignment is super cool. The concept of eye size is a super cool thing that I forgot completely existed last time. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, feel free to contact me on Mastodon. I'm blackkernel at nixnet.social. Uh, email me at izzyleibowitz.pm.me. Um, yeah, just contact me with all of the ways that I have in the description. Hopefully I actually write show notes for this episode because one, I am tired and two, I apparently don't know how to write HTML. Uh, but anyway, that's it for now and I'll see you next time. listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.